It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the UC edition. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12 and Local12.com. Joined by Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. we got a lot of basketball news to catch up on, Chad. But first, uh, some, some football news. And while spring practice has come and gone and, and the 2019 season practices don't start for a while, um, UC dealt a little bit of a blow uh, literally minutes before we're doing this podcast when uh, the NCAA determined uh, that, that, that James Hudson, the transfer from Michigan, will not be eligible immediately. Walk, walk us all through that and, and what that means for him and what it means for UC and, and what kind of fight can he put up to maybe maybe get that changed. Well, it's a big hit for UC because he spent the entire spring as their first team starting left tackle. Um, so you graduated Dino Boyd, uh, who was first team all AAC at left tackle. You, you brought him in as a grad transfer last year. Uh, Hudson was slated to spot, slot right into that, you know, starting left tackle spot. Um, so, so that's a big blow for Cincinnati. For Hudson, um, if you read his tweet, Basically, what it comes down to is he was dealing with depression issues at Michigan and kept them quiet. Um, and those were, you know, a big part of why he left the University of Michigan. And he, le- he, he transferred, what, in October? Yeah, it was well into the season. Stop. I mean, yeah, well into the season, yeah, for sure. I know he played actually a handful of games for, for Michigan. So, Well, he was on the roster for a handful yeah, of correct, games. Correct, yes, correct. Um, and then – came to Cincinnati and, you know, spoke out about his depression issues and then started getting treatment and help, uh, the NCAA determined basically that um, he had come out about his mental health issues uh, too late for them to grant a waiver, which is absolutely ridiculous. In a day and an era where mental health is becoming, you know, more accepted and, and, you know, the stigma on it is you don't talk about it, especially in a sport like football. Correct. Because then you're seen as weak. You know, then you're seen as, you know, it's a sport where you have to be, quote, unquote, mentally strong, as if none of these guys have ever dealt with depression and, and negative thoughts before. Um, it's just a bad look for the NCAA, and it's a bad look for Michigan because pretty much anymore these transfers, these waivers, all come down to one thing, Skinny. Whether the school that, that sent or you're leaving says okay. Yeah, and Michigan did not cooperate with the transfer. So with Michigan not cooperating with the transfer, you leave James Hudson out to dry at the hands of the NCAA, and the NCAA decided, well, uh, your depression was diagnosed too late for you to get this waiver, which just blows me away at, at the insens- insensitivity of it all. Yeah, well, it's almost as if they're saying, look, you're making this up in order to be eligible right away. Right. No one wants to make – no one's going to make that up just to, to be eligible to play football, right? It's just it, – it's a it's – a, you're right. It would be it, – it's something that is seen as a sign of weakness inside the game. You're not making that up, and you're not going to publicly say something about that making it up. So I, I'm with you. I think it, it, it's very short-sighted on the NCAA's part in, in many ways. Is, is there a way other than public outcry to fight this? Well, I mean, there, there's a, a reconsideration process um, that they'll be going through over the next couple weeks. The problem with that reconsideration process is it still requires assistance from the University of Michigan. And from what we've seen so far, uh, that isn't likely. And then there is an appeal process. Um, 
public outrage has generally been the only way to get the NCAA to right. overturn uh, their their rulings. So we'll see where this thing goes from there because it is uh, – the NCAA stance on a lot of this skinny has generally been we'll weather the storm for a day or two and just hope it dies down. Right. And, and, the, and sometimes it does, and maybe in this case it does not. The ones that have 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 gotten overturned or, or the way the the appeal granted or whatever are the ones that have not gone away. Well, it, the, the the whole process though it's it's become so arbitrary. Uh, yeah. That that I, I, look, I was one. I think we've had these conversations on the basketball podcast before. I've been one that, that for a long time has said, you know what. If you're transferring, that's on you. You got to sit out. The, the 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 longer it's gone for me, I'm now at the. Hey, I'll give you one free transfer. I don't care when you do it, how you do it. I, and that that takes the arbitrariness away. And maybe we go etched in stone of listen. You do. You get one free transfer. If you don't, you know. And, and let's face it. People go to college and leave for various and sundry reasons. Sometimes you go to a, to a school for for football, and and it just wasn't. You know, three months in, you realize this was not the right fit for me. Um, and someplace else is, or, or basketball, or whatever. Uh, I think I'm in that ilk that just says, "Listen, you get one free one. After that, then yeah, you do have to sit." Um, and I, I think that takes any of the arbitrariness away because, in in a lot of these cases, it doesn't seem like there's consistency of decision making on the NCAA's part. A guy transferred to Ohio State because he wasn't the starting quarterback at Georgia. That's correct. And then the, a guy transfers from Ohio State to Miami, Miami of Florida, <laughs> because he wasn't the starting quarterback at Ohio yep. State. Like, yep. and, and then you have this, where you turn a guy down, and you know why those two transfers were approved, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm assuming they were approved because of public outcry. No, they were approved because both of those guys lawyered up. Yeah. And the yeah, NCAA doesn't want any part of, of lawsuits. So those guys lawyered up, and their cases were approved immediately. And then a situation like James Hudson, where he's dealing with mental health issues, is denied. It, it makes no sense. There's no it, consistency. It, it, I, I would agree with that. Um, if, if you were to, to put, um, I guess, odds on this, what would it be that, that maybe everything comes to, to fruition, that, that finally they do grant him the, the chance to play right away? Is it the odds good, or do you think the odds are still very long because maybe the public outcry won't be enough. I mean, I, I guess that's what we're going to have to see over the next 24 to 48 hours. Right. Is, is this a, a flash in the pan, or are you going to be able to get like a, a Jay Billis or a Dick Vitale or uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreit or, or somebody, yeah. you know, somebody like that behind you? Because that's usually what it takes uh, to keep the, the NCAA's feet to the fire. Um, if you get something like that, then, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that that not only the NCAA, but maybe even this in this reconsideration process, Michigan, uh, who is already dealing with more than enough that they want to deal with right now with John Beeline leaving yesterday, <laughs> maybe their AD just you know I think Harbaugh and the team are off in South Africa right now. Very convenient. They they get to enjoy a trip to South Africa. James Hudson gets to sit a year. Um, you know, maybe the AD just says, you know what, sign off. Yeah. Make it go away. Because that's that, they can make it go away if they sign off on it. So mm. um, I, I don't know the odds yet because I, I'm not sure right. how some things are going to play out over yeah. the next day or two. If he, if he doesn't play, I mean, are they are they really stuck at that position? 
they're really inexperienced at that position. Right. It would be a matter of, you know, do you move six-year senior Chris Ferguson from right tackle to left tackle? Um, then what do you do at right tackle? Maybe uh, Darius Harper, who transferred from Miami of Ohio uh, as a basketball player uh, and then came to Cincinnati last summer to, you know, go back after his football career. Uh, he's six foot eight, 320 pounds, uh, physically imposing dude. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you put Ferguson at left and put him at right, or you've got the German six foot 10, 330 pound Lorenz Metz, uh, who was your second team left tackle. I think Metz is going to be really, really good long-term. I don't know if as a red shirt freshman, he's ready to go in and, and play, a full season at left tackle after only being, you know, familiar with the game of football for two years or so. Yeah, Chad, I can't imagine that UC's coaching staff um, thought that, that that Hudson would not be eligible if you're going to rep him all spring as as the number one guy, right? I mean, I think that probably is what t- t- takes that staff by surprise that it just didn't get rubber stamped. Well, yeah, I mean, with with all of the other decisions that were being made, it was pretty much seen as free agency has come to college football, right? Right, right. And then you have a guy that you feel with a, pretty with confident a, with a legitimate, a legitimate issue, right. issue, and he's the one that gets denied. Like, that's, I think that's where the outrage comes in with everybody is it makes no sense. Like, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no consistency to any of it. it, it it's all just silly. Yep, I would agree. Right, let's talk uh, talk some basketball because uh, over the last the three or four days, a lot has happened. Um, let's start with the staff, where uh, three hirings announced on Sunday, another one announced on on Monday, and I know people were clamoring for when John Brandon would get his staff together, but he he has pretty much now done that. It does not include Chris Shoemate. Um, is that a surprise at all? Yes and no. His name was not one really throughout the process that, that I had heard was going to be coming. Uh, so not a surprise in that sense, more probably a surprise that he was kind of seen as the number one assistant with John at NKU. Um, so not bringing him with seemed kind of, uh, seemed a little bit off, but I think a lot of it came down to um, Chris was going through the process of, of, trying to get the NKU job as the head coach as the head coach after John left and John needed to get things kind of moving at Cincinnati. So, um, Sean Dwyer who came with John from Alabama, um, was at NKU with John was his first hire at NKU and then ended up becoming his first hire at Cincinnati. Loyola of Chicago was trying to hire him away. And Loyola Chicago needed a decision if if he wasn't going to be on staff. I think Dwyer kind of needed to know, right? You know, one way or the other. So you had Shoemate in in the running for NKU, and you had Dwyer potentially leaving uh, if you waited on Shoemate. And I think Dwyer just kind of got the got the edge there based on the timing. Um, worked out perfectly for him, uh, and then Morris. Uh, also was with John at Alabama. Morris is a really, really sharp guy. He's seen as kind of uh, the developmental guy, uh, works with the big men at NKU. And you look at the development of Drew McDonald, 
Uh, you look at you know the way that their big guys have played over the past yeah, couple I mean, of years. The development of Chris Vogt, to be honest with you, who's yeah. in the transfer portal right now. I mean, he went from thir- playing 13 games and barely playing as an awkward 7-1 freshman to being a legitimate uh, legitimate player off the bench last year and had a couple of really big games. So, so he's a guy I think that really helps them in the developmental standpoint. Uh, and then Jason Gee or G, I'm not sure which one it is. Now he has head coaching experience, so you've got you've has got head coaching experience. And also, I don't know if you put this together or not. He was the head coach at Campbell in the 1999-2000 season. Do you know the significance of that? Were they in the tournament? No. It was John Brandon's first assistant coaching job. Oh, how about that? It, it always feels like it comes full circle, full circle for everybody, yes. right? So, and then the two worked together again at St. Bonaventure for three years. Um, so, Campbell, uh, G has kind of been a mentor to John, uh, and he had been at Winthrop. He was Pat Kelsey's number one assistant at Winthrop last year um, and, and comes here to Cincinnati. He's from Springfield, uh, so he's really well-connected in Ohio. Um, you know, it, it kind of – I know the name's taboo to speak about anymore, um, but kind of reminds me of the Larry Davis hire when Mick got here. Well, and, and don't forget the, the Chuck Mayshock hire for Bob Huggins, kind of flipping, yeah. flipping roles. I mean, you, you – the guy who took care of you at a point in, of your career, it's kind of a little payback. And plus, it's, I, I go back to this. I mean, it always feels like it's payback, right? And, and, and in some ways it is, but it's also, um, you know, the familiarity you are with that, that coach and the fact that the time you spent, you respect him as a coach. So you want, when it's your turn to have a staff, you want him on your staff if you can get him. I get that. I always understand that. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you know, you've been in coaching for a long time. You, you want people around you, one that you're comfortable with, and two that know your system. Right. Because I, I don't think you want to spend a lot of time teaching someone your system. To teach somebody else. To teach somebody else, right. So I, I think, you know, it, it gives him a level of, of comfortability. It's two young guys and a veteran guy. The question being, what does their recruiting look like at the high major level? And in and, and a spot where you have to have high major players in the American, mm-hmm. but they're not exactly easy to get. No. It's exactly right. So that, that turns us then to where we are in, in the pipeline of, of players. I half joked with somebody yesterday. I said, well, UC have enough to have a starting lineup this year. I, I know that, that they will, obviously. Um, but let, let's start with, with some of the moves that have been made and maybe will be made. Nizier Brooks leaving. Um, it feels like you can make up for eight and six. Can you make up for eight and six? Um, you can. I mean, you're going to have to figure out. You're probably going to have to bring somebody in. Um, that's eligible right away to help you with that, that rotation down low. Um, he was very important to what that team was doing last year. Like, there, there's no more bigger evidence than the Iowa game. Go look at that Iowa right. game with him on the floor. Go look at him at the Iowa game with him off the floor. Yeah. Completely different game. So it is a big blow. Um, the thing with Nazir that I, that I take into consideration that I remember the most is, Cincinnati was recruiting Nazir Brooks, but they weren't necessarily pushing on Nazir Brooks for a commitment. And he called, requested to come down for an official visit, had done all of his homework and determined that Mick Cronin's system is the one that fit him best. And he showed up and he committed that weekend before he left. So he recruited the system more than the system recruited him. So I don't think it was a big surprise that when that system is gone, you know, he, he's left without what he came to Cincinnati for. 
Um, so I, I kind of get it from that aspect for Nazir. And then he ends up in the ACC at Miami. So a team that's been to the tournament three years in a row and they've been to the Sweet 16. And uh, it's not like he picked a program that, that you know, has been on rough times, right. uh, if you will. Um, I, you got another player in the transfer portal as well. Um, you got Jaron Cumberland still hanging out there um, and understandably flirting with, with, uh, with turning professional. Where do we stand with, with, with that, too? Because, obviously, the Jaron Cumberland piece is a huge piece. Well, with Cumberland, he's participating in the G League Combine right now. Um, he's not scoring. I think he had two points last night in his first game. He might have wow. had four points today. Now, he's doing Jaron Cumberland things. He's three, four, five assists, uh, getting rebounds. Um, I think last night, he played 20 minutes. He was plus 11 and plus minus. So he's impacting the game, but in a in a setting like that, that's not going to blow people away. Right. Um, I think he only took four four shots last night, two shots today. So he, he wasn't being aggressive offensively, and that's not going to turn a lot of heads. I, I would guess from what we've seen so far, I would not anticipate him getting, I think there are five spots. Uh, that go that get combine invites, NBA combine invites from this G League combine. Um, averaging, you know, three, four points a game probably isn't going to get you one of those spots, regardless of how good your floor game is. Right. Um, but, 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 but might he still consider turning professional otherwise? Possibly, but I think it's more likely from everything I've heard throughout the process, if he didn't end up at the NBA combine, the odds were – far better than not that he would return to Cincinnati for his senior year. And, and that's kind of where we're getting to in the process. Um, we should know by probably, I would think tomorrow, whether or not he has a combine invite. Right. If he doesn't have that combine invite, it, it, it becomes pretty simple. You know, you're either going to have to battle your way from the bottom of the G league and make 35 to $50,000, which, you know, nothing to sneeze at, but, uh, or you come back for your senior year, you try to get this team back to the tournament for the fourth time in your four years at Cincinnati, become a 2,000-point scorer, uh, and kind of set yourself up for life uh, in the city. And that's, for him, that's a bigger deal than a lot of people because he's local. You know, with Sean Kilpatrick, he's back in White Plains, New York. 2,000 points at Cincinnati doesn't, isn't doing much for him in terms of, you know, life opportunity uh, when he's in White Plains. Being from Cincinnati, that's a pretty big deal to go down as one of the three leading scorers in program history is what he's got a chance to do. Um, one of the three leading scorers in program history, uh, you know, at a place that's, what, 35, 45 minutes from your house? Right. That's a pretty big deal. And obviously, his return is is is, is huge. Is, is the huge impact of this 2019 yeah. 20, 20 I mean, you could go from being a potential NCAA tournament team to potentially a sub five hundred team, depending on what he does. Yeah, I mean, the roster looks a whole lot different without Jaron Cumberland on it. Then you know, if you've got him and you've got a guy you can put the ball in his hands and know that you're going to remain competitive at you know pretty much the highest levels as long as Jaron Cumberland is on your roster. Yep. So it, uh, it's a very big decision. 
Yeah, this, this did not occur over the weekend, but it occurred uh, since we've last talked. And that's Samari Curtis reopening his his recruitment. Did that did that surprise you at all, or understandable? Because again, the person he committed to is no longer here. Understandable. Um, I think things become very difficult for Samari now because it, it's been said he wants to stay somewhat close to home. That's um, your, that's well. Xavier's not an option. I think that's safe to say. Yep. Cincinnati's off the table. Ohio State's got a top 10 recruiting class. Louisville's got a top 10 recruiting class. I don't see spots for him at either of those places. I, Kentucky does, Kentucky's got the number one recruiter, number two recruiting class right now. Cleveland's not going there. Like, is he going to go to Dayton? Toledo. I mean, it, it just with with Cincinnati now off the table, it, you wonder where he's going to end up, and, and you hope you know he didn't overplay his hand, right? And cost himself a chance to play at the highest level, close to home. Now, uh, now, but but it's, here, I mean, you say Cincinnati's off the table, but I mean, he did reopen his recruitment. I guess the question would be, would would UC be involved in that recruitment, re-recruitment of him with the new staff? I don't. I mean, they were involved for three weeks and he decided to open it up. Yeah, so yeah. if it was something that was decided immediately and, and no, you know, there was no communication. Um, I think that would be more likely, but the two sides had a chance to, to get to know each other yep. and he's still decommitted. So I don't see, I don't foresee Cincinnati being where he ends up. It just as it stands right now and it's recruiting. So, God knows anything can change, but where it stands right now, I don't see that as as something that can happen going forward. Now, UC did get a commitment from from a local guy, Jeremiah Davenport from from Moeller, class of eighteen. He went to Hargrave Military Academy for a year. He initially had committed or signed, I can't remember which, but one of the Both. two to, to Wright State. Okay, so he did say he had signed with Wright State, um, then opted to to not go to Wright State, went to the uh, to Hargrave, and, and having seen him play last year. Um, I've told people I thought he was a better high school player than Jackson Hayes, and Jackson Hayes is going to be a lottery pick in in, a, in another month or so. Now, I don't think Jeremiah Davenport's at that level. There's obviously right. reasons why Jackson Hayes is going to be a lottery pick, um, namely the seven foot with the seven seven wingspan. But I will say I did a bunch of Moeller games on the internet his senior year, and he just got better and better and better to the point where I thought, man, Wright State has got an absolute steal. He's going to kill that league. Well, then he decides not to go, and, and he kind of moves up the ladder a little bit. I, 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 that seems to me right now, for, for you know, Rosh, a little bit in flux, a pretty solid get. I know people are going to look and go, hey, all he got was a Cincinnati guy. I, I think, the, I think that's, a, that's a nice get, because I still think there's a lot of untapped potential for Jeremiah Davenport. What say you? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, especially he was 6'5 and Moeller. They're listing him at 6'6", six, 6'7 six, six, now. And, he, and he's got long arms, too. Yeah, and he's so he's a guy – you know, John is kind of uh, with the analytics and his offensive system is is big into the pace and space kind of movement uh, and the way that, you know, basketball is evolving and changing. Davenport gives you a guy that you can ultimately, you've got the opportunity to utilize at three positions, the two, the three, and the four. No doubt. And he can guard the two, the three, and the four. Um, I think another thing you have to consider, his two older brothers – both were guys that, as they went through their college careers, got significantly better year by year by year. 
So you're taking a gamble that he's going to also be a guy that continues to develop, as he has shown through his senior year at Moeller, through being the best player on a really good Hargrave team, and, and now coming into college. Um, he's a kid that's great motor, works hard, um, like his offensive skill set. Probably could be a little bit more consistent from three as he develops, uh, but he, he's got a nice touch from three. Um Overall, I think he gives Brandon a, a really good piece. It's not a cornerstone piece. You're not, at this point no, at I, least, yeah, building the future of the Cincinnati program around Jeremiah Davenport. But you've got a really good player that, that hopefully fits what you want to do. And as Jeremiah told me, the first coach to ever recruit him was John Brandon. There you go. So you have – go ahead. No, I said, and then he chose the other team in, in, in the league in Wright State. So, obviously, they, they, they kind of identified what kind of player he was at the time. But I think he's, he's a better player than that now. He just simply is. Yeah, and I, I think if you look at Davenport, you're starting to see a theme. John likes situations that he has history with, that he has an understanding of who he's recruiting or who he's bringing on to his staff. He, he talked about being very deliberate. Uh, when he went, when he got hired, and you're starting to see that play out in the choices that he's making early, being very deliberate and, and going through and finding things, finding situations that he's comfortable with, guys that he thinks that he can help, that he knows already, that he has a past history with. Um, I, I think you're seeing that develop as well. Um, Chris Vogt tra- is in the transfer portal, played at NKU for two years. Is he a possibility to wind up at UC or, or not? He's definitely a name I'm monitoring. Um, I- I'm really interested with him because he did make a lot of progress at the end of his sophomore season at NKU. Uh, the-, the thing that I worry about is when you get to the American – it is a very physical league at the right. rim. And, he, and he, again, he's seven foot one, but he's a very thin seven foot one. He he would have to continue to take another significant jump, mm-hmm. like we saw him take last year at NKU. And he took a big one. I mean, he, he, yeah. You, you look at his numbers. I think it was four and a half points, three and a half rebounds, and and you know block shot a game. But he had. Some but if you watched him the last ten games, right? Correct. He had a twenty point game in there. He had a sixteen point game in the in the Horizon League tournament against Detroit. I think he had a. 12 rebounds. I think the 16-point game, he had a double-double, 16 and 12. So, I mean, yeah, and, and that, it, he did play in every game, so that sometimes drags your stats down. But if you look at towards the end, you're right. I mean, he, he started to do some good things. And, again, part of it, too, is you're not getting minutes with Drew McDonald on the floor either, so you're only going to get limited minutes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's not something that, that I completely, uh, you know, don't like. I just I think you just have to have the understanding of, is his game going to be able to translate to the physicality that happens around the rim in the American Athletic Conference? Uh, if it does, if he continues to work, uh, we've already talked on this show about the, the development skills of Tim Morris uh, as a big man coach. If he continues, then, yeah, it gives you a legit seven-foot-one presence uh, at the back end of your defense. And with the way John likes to press and, and play up and down, you need a guy that can, can protect the rim for you. So I, I think he could fit in that mold. I just I would need to see him show the the physicality that's required to go against Wichita State and Houston and UConn. Um, you know, 
some of these teams that have basically like you're, what you're dealing with in the American now, Cincinnati set the tone for what winning in this conference looks like under McCronin. And that trickled down. So now what winning in this conference looks like is what Mick Cronin basketball looks like a lot of, in a lot of ways. Houston has emulated it. That's been how Wichita State has played for a long time under Greg Marshall. Um, Central Florida has emulated it, obviously, with their tough physical defense that Johnny yeah, Dawkins I don't know, plays. I don't, know if they can, I don't know if they can emulate Taco Fall moving forward. That's correct. And, and it came out today, this morning, that Aubrey Dawkins is staying in the, the NBA draft. And they lost Taco and they lost B.J. Taylor. So you're yeah, looking at a complete rebuild uh, for UCF. But I'm just talking about the style. Yeah, no, no, right. right, right. The, the brand of basketball, um, that's something that, that Chris Vogt, especially at the rim, would have to uh, really elevate his game up another level or two to to be able to, to handle that. And I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying, like, that's what I would need to see from him. You know what I mean? Lastly, um, anything else maybe in the pipeline, not name-wise, but do you think John will add at least another piece or two, uh, no matter what happens with Jaron Cumberland, before uh, before the kind of the recruiting is shut down for this year's class? Yeah, I think there's definitely at least another piece or two coming. Um, quietly, I think they're in pretty good shape, uh, especially if Jaron comes back with uh, someone else local. Um, we'll see how that goes. As a, grad you, as a grad transfer? As a grad transfer. I'll let you piece that together uh, by yourself. Um, and then, you know, they, they had a, a kid that's transferring from Penn State, Rasir Bolton. Uh, he visited last weekend or last week and the last week. Um, there's a couple other irons in the fire I'm hearing. Uh, potentially there could be somebody in. I think the dead period begins the 15th or 16th, so here in another day or two. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to sneak in another visitor, uh, here in the next day or two, uh, right before that dead period begins. Um, I mean, that, you know, with the transfer portal, there's a lot of guys out there, man, mm-hmm. and, and sorting through them and finding out which one's right for you, which one isn't right for you. Uh, and then you've got the, uh, the new trend of reclassification and, and you'll see that you'll see guys entering the grad transport the transfer portal you'll see grad transfers as they graduate in the summer finishing up summer courses you'll see more people enter the portal and then you'll also see 2020 kids reclassifying back to 2019 Um, so there's still going to be a lot of options out there as this thing unfolds so what you're telling me is john brandon will have five guys on the floor when the 2019-20 season starts if they were if they'd let him have six i bet he'd even have six (laughs) So the sky is not completely falling, but we will agree on this. Jaron Cumberland is a big piece to bring back. Yeah, it provides stability and allows you to kind of to move forward with a little right. bit of comfort, knowing that it's not going to be a bottom-out year or it shouldn't be a bottom-out year because you've still got the best player in the American Athletic Conference on your team. Well, That's, uh, that helps. Outside of whatever's happening in Memphis. But. Yeah. You, you, you said they were going to get dudes. <laughs> You, you, you said they were, and they're, they they're going to get are. dudes. I, uh, I, I heard of, of one recruit uh, who had some involvement with Memphis. He was on an official visit somewhere else, and they're, they're in talking with the head coach. And the dad, about halfway through the conversation with the head coach, says, uh, 
When do we start talking about the bag? Uh, that's great. When do we start talking about the bag? <laughs> this meeting's over. Oh, your flight is six. Get yeah. out. Yeah. Thanks for coming, sir. Enjoy your we'll, time elsewhere. We'll call you an Uber. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, we'll see how this James Hudson story plays out, and we will probably talk again here in a few weeks and uh, hopefully have some more basketball stuff settled as we move forward. All right. Skinny. Free James Hudson. I agree. I mean, I, I, I think it's – like I said, I'll, I'll go back to this and I'll leave it with this. I, I just think the NCAA, instead of being arbitrary with these, you just make it simple. Everybody gets one free. You know that going in, and after that, sorry, man, you got to sit. Nope, no I'm with you. No excuses. I'm with you. All right, Chad, appreciate it as always, man. Enjoyed it. No problem, brother. Talk to you soon. That's Chad Brendel. Make sure you catch all his work at BearcatJournal.com. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.